Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. There's been a lot of interest in the gold country. That's around eight done. Eight rounds in the bag. Yep. Uh, it's been a not so big week in footy. Ah, oh, fucking Sunday, bloody Sunday should be the title of this one because Sunday fucks my tips every week. And, and the thing is, most times it's not even like a close one. It's a massacre that just destroys your tips. Just you got no idea what's coming on. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, I guess we may as well start from the top then. It has been a pretty telling week though, because you know, round eight, you can stop saying uh, teams are in the top eight that don't really deserve to be, because you're a third of the way through the season. Can you? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I won't stop saying that until at least the <laughs> second week of finals. Um, we'll, we'll get the boring one out of the way first and that was it was by far the worst match and it was on Friday night Carlton versus Geelong um, all I can say that was impressive about Geelong was I think they were 17-2 or something stupid like that from set shots yeah it was something like that but um, Carlton just looked like it looked like they were actively trying to piss off um, people at their own club like oh. the coach or supporters or no sort of any um, cohesion between their their play between back lines and forward lines. Cade Simpson was playing loose man in defence, um, which is, let's face it, not the hardest role, but geez, yeah. he had a good game back. And that's about the last positive thing I can say about them. Well, no, actually, I reckon uh, Kerno, he had a pretty good game on um, Selwood. Yeah, that's true, actually, he did. Um, to the point where Sel was actually getting pretty frustrated with the attention he was getting. And, and gave away some big free kicks. That's right. Actually, that's a very good call. He, he's the only bloke on their side, I think, could walk in with his head held high. Um, and hopefully he's walking in with his head held high and a request for a trade somewhere where they actually play football. <laughs> I think Kerner looks like a mini Vinny Muggleage. <laughs> Blood oath he does. Um, he also looks like somebody at work. Um, Menzel's kicked four out of nine goals, and I think a couple of them came late, but it was pretty... Yeah, stocks and stuff. Like I said, I think Cade Simpson had a good game, took some nice marks, but he was playing a yeah. loose, loose man in defence and the ball was down there a lot. And to be honest, like, with Carlton not going so good, it's not often I've paid attention to a whole lot of their games this season. The only other no. one was the Richmond game because we were there live and that was because there was no other game on that night yeah. as well. <laughs> but um, from those two games, it seems like Mensa has been a bit of a, not a standout, but something you can hang your hat on. Yeah, he's, he's had a positive um, which not many of the others can. Yeah. Um, Stevie J didn't have a bad one, which, you know, considering his averages this year, that you, yeah. you take that. And Apparently, think- uh, he's been making a list of all the uh, journos who've written him off. Really? And one by one, he's tweeting out of them. He's uh, sending out, you know, how was that one? And he oh. had to go up to, uh, I think it was Hutchie, not long ago. Uh, I- Brenton? <laughs> B-R-E-N-T-O-N? Just yeah, actually, you can hit us all up at, at clicking balls um, because yeah, I'd, I'd be, you know, I, I'd wait until I've done something a bit better than than get a touch, a few touches against Carlton before I start bragging. 
Well, uh, he's he's never been shy about uh, blowing his own trumpet. Yeah. But, um... I mean, if I could blow my own trumpet, I'd be shy either. You're fourth the lounge. But, actually, uh, watching the game, Yaron, uh, he was one of the other Carlton guys that actually looked like he put in effort. Yeah, uh, he's a, at times. He was a bit too rock-headed to get away with much. Um, he, it, it's like he just ended up getting frustrated, going, fuck this, going to belt someone. Yeah. Uh, which I can definitely understand doing. Yep. Um, Levi Casbolt, just the four kicks, and he's only just got back in the side. Um, he's looking like a bloke that's had enough. Uh, the talk, I think today was, you know, uh, the Carlton hierarchy have come out and said we're not going to, you know, we're not going to sack Mick until the end of the year. He's coaching until the end of the year, and now yeah. they've gone. You know what? We might review that in two weeks. <laughs> I mean, what are Carlton going to do in the next couple of weeks? Uh, they got Sydney this week, um, so you know, unless they get up against Sydney, yeah, yeah that's not happening. You, you get rid of Mick. Who do you plan on putting in that position? It doesn't matter. I mean, really, do you think anybody's going to be stepping forward? Not at all. Like, at this point of the season. Oh, yeah, next Friday, I'm, I'm, ooh, I'm busy. I don't know if I can coach that day. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, my kids on a six-soccer practice. Well, when you look at you know the assistant coaches they've got, they've got Brad Green, John Barker, and Dean Laidley as the forward, back, and midfield coach, respectively. Not sure why Dean Lane is midfield coach, but uh, well, there you go. They're the assistant coaches. I don't really know. Well, I mean, if you'd want them uh, to step up, like if you're Dean Laidley, he's he's been there before, uh, and and every coach gets sacked eventually. Yeah, just about. Um, look, it's probably going to be Laidley if he's got experience, or it'll be John Barker. I can't see him going to Brad Green just yet. He's uh, not that long out of the game. Big Green, uh, thank you very much. Um, but look. Yeah. Geelong, impressive with their set shots. I mean, that's about all you can say. Yeah. 22-8 at the end of the day, that's uh, that's an impressive scoreline. And the thing is, Jimmy Bartell with a big injury. Um, oh, poor bastard. It sucks. But to be honest, I think the sad thing is they probably won't miss him too much. A lot of their sort of lower-grade players have stepped up and it's filled not, lots of holes. It's yeah, not... Absolutely they have. Like uh, Guthrie and yeah. uh, Mitch Duncan before his injury. Yep. Um, they've uh, they've really stepped up. Yeah, so much to their credit. It seems like they they can get a f- like three young players to fill in a star spot when they go down. Actually, going back a sec, one bloke they do have on the coaching um, panel that he's probably the only bloke I can think of that could step up and actually pull Carlton together. Uh, the list manager, which is uh, Stephen Savani. Now he's probably not going to be a long term coach, but fuck me, Carlton are useless at the moment. So a bloke yeah. who is you know, a second-generation player. Um, he, one of the most respected blokes walking around there, you'd reckon. Um, if he can actually get a bit of feeling into that team, because they're playing like zombies. They're just running around, getting a kick. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it'd be a great um, PR move, and he's probably... I'd back him in the coach's yeah. box as well. But the only problem is he's one of the best list managers going around, and that's where Carlton <laughs> needs yeah. the most work. So yeah. if you put him in the big seat, you, you're almost cutting your nose to spite your face he's the best choice there but he's also he could be the worst choice yeah and I think yeah. as unforgiving as, as their fans are might be the reason why you wouldn't pick someone that you really want to keep that job yeah you might want to I hate uh, to say it but uh, scapegoat for the rest of the season and then fuck them off and well, get who J- you want in Jade Rawlings did it uh, at Richmond and then yeah. never, uh, did he even, I don't think he even applied for the job yeah, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not um, sure. And I'm pretty sure he would have had a bit of insight into what his chances were before the application I, I, got underway. Yeah, I can't remember if he did. He might have applied for it and didn't get it. Um, but Buddha Hocking did it at Port Adelaide, and he didn't get the job. and didn't even apply for the job. I'm, yep. I'm certain on that one. I don't think he wanted to. He didn't. And he, from, 
He's still there as an assistant. Yeah, honestly, assistant coach seems like a pretty decent gig. Yeah. At the minute when somebody gets sucked, you, you still get to <laughs> yeah. hang around. And everyone's sort of standing and shuffling around going, oh, I don't want to fucking jump on this shit. <laughs> oh, well, it seems like after Fossey and Hurd, everyone's scared as fuck to just jump straight up in the coach's seat. And rightly so. Yeah, I, I have no argument with that at all. It, it does seem that um, elevating from player to coach straight away, it's a big, big ask. Of course it is, yeah. It's just too cutthroat at the moment to have any sort of leeway in regards to growing into that sort of role. You've got to be switched on as soon as you step in, uh, take that seat. Yeah, I, I do wonder, though, if we're ever going to see like an American system where they have professional coaches. Like You, you may never play the game professionally, but you've coached you know, since you were... 20 years old or, or whatever and you work up the um, you work up the rankings as a coach yeah, um, it, it's pretty rare that it happens I mean we get a coach every now and then like I think Phil Walsh is the only one at the minute um, but yeah it is fairly rare but I think Clarkson did all that research over in Europe with the soccer coaches and their sort of academies for coaching and he took a lot of that on board and he tried to at least uh, create some sort of framework to implement that in Australia and with that coach's apprenticeship and things like that yep. and I think that was the fallout from Voss getting sacked as well mm-hmm. it was a lot of contentious issues around that then again each club seems to have more coaching staff than players yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> so and by literally you mean figuratively no I mean literally they've got like 40 coaches yeah, when you could list managers and everything else. Yeah, but they've got 44 players. Yeah. So. And still not literal. <laughs> <laughs> right, they've got 46 coaches. <laughs> it's literal. <laughs> if you include the, the runners, the, the, the water staff. If you include everyone in the, in, the, in the ground trying to give out advice when they're going out. Include the lawyers. Hey, and I'll count them now. <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll move on to the game number two then. And yeah. we've got... Director of coaching, assistant coach, midfield, we'll back still line. Move on. Okay, we'll, we'll still move, move on. on. Development yeah, coach, yeah. fairfield and development you, coach. Can you that, Mike? <laughs> um, there Saints, are 46. Yep, Saints playing West Coast at Etihad. Um, the Saints actually showed a little bit of something. They uh, did. Until West Coast flexed their muscle and uh, ran away with it. Um, and it was a bit of the, the same old, uh, with, with West Coast putting it, uh, putting the, the big efforts in. <laughs> same old proving me fucking wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, poor old Joffa picked Saints, didn't he? Yep. So the uh, the bet for the Epilepsy Foundation went down in the, in the second leg. I'd like to think the Tigers took care of that one, but you know, <laughs> we'll give it to the Saints. Um, which just goes to show that West Coast hate uh, the Epilepsy Foundation. Exactly. Not, not supporting it at all. Spread it. Um, just scoop. Jack Stevens, uh, it's good to see him back running around. Yep. Just the lazy 37 touches, but again, a lot of uh, handballs um, to yep. kick ratio, which um, just says that you're running around um, a little bit. I mean, you've got to get them, but there might be a couple of cheap ones in there. Yep. And I mean, uh, the you like to call them the usual suspects for St. Kilda, but they're only usual for this season. Yeah. They've still stepped up. Armitage getting these posies. They even um, Savage did, did enough, I thought, to do pretty I, well. I, was, I always like Savage when he's at Hawthorne. He has um, an unusually long kick. Yeah. Like, you, it surprises you. Yep. Um, Bruce kicking in for another couple of goals which is good to see you know because yeah. he uh, rewalts out again obviously and he might be gone for a couple of weeks yep. um, and Matty Prittis, yeah, back over on the Eagles side of things just quietly notching up another 30 odd possessions he seems to do that week in week out he does he could be sneaking up on his you know on a medal number two once well, five um- gets suspended the umpires do like to re-vote previous yeah, absolutely winners. yeah yeah um, but the only thing is, I think with this season, he's had to be a bit more in and under the packs, do a bit more of his own ball getting, which means other people might benefit from a lot of his work. Like, he's got 25 handballs and how many kicks did he get? What's that? Seven S- kicks or just something. Just the seven kicks. So it's either a lot of going backwards or a lot of hard work. Yeah, a lot of tackles too, though. Um, yeah. So he's he, he probably around he's, the packs. He's been in so, and around, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And we've got the Coleman medal uh, front runner in Josh Kennedy. Kicked another four. That yeah. dodgy elbow doesn't seem to be bothering We're too still much. Still waiting to see what's going to happen with that. We're talking about surgery last week, and he was toughed out for this one. And yeah, well, I think. See. Um, I think they It's going to take surgery, and they've gone. You know what? We are sitting second. Yeah. Um, you can say all you like about having an easy run at the start of the season, or what? It doesn't matter. You still got to win those games. Yeah. And they're sitting second. And they've got you know two wins up on um, most of the uh, the top eight there. And do you reckon a buy round might be waiting for, for that to come out? I, I reckon they're just going to try and they're just going to try and see how he goes. Well, I suppose if they know already know what the problem is and know how long the surgery will take, they could probably slot it into a, a time slot that will be favourable for them. He can stay in Perth and I think it's, if I they've think, got road well, trips. I think on. it's like an F one pit stop. They're just looking for a gap. Yeah, uh, they yeah. can slot, exactly. slot him into. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Of, yeah. Well, I, I think they've gone. You know what? We might just see if we can get through. Yeah. and take it all the way through to September and then you know, say, all right, mate, your pre-season starts in Feb yeah. or, or whatever it is, you know, depending on how long out yeah. um, the uh, the surgery will take him. And I think just a lack of experience for the Saints there. Um, young players still doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And but they, they fought back. I yeah. mean, um, yeah. if you have a look at the score worm. And I think that's a big difference between where St Kilda is at and where, where Carlton is at. St Kilda are at least trying. They've got yep. some level of pride. Carlton just don't seem to. Well, St Kilda also admitted that they needed to rebuild two years ago as yeah. opposed to Carlton, who yep. I think they've only begrudgingly admitted it now. Yep. And I think Saints probably have even surprised themselves with how quick their rebuilding process has is, is gone and how successful it's going. And quick's a big part of it too. They've got some decent they speed. They've got some, lots yeah. of speed. Yep. And they've still got the big fella, you know, the number one draft pick, um, Paddy McCartan, who's uh, yeah. playing in the twos at the minute, I think. Um I'll just check that. Yeah, he is playing in the twos. Um, so he's going to take two to three years until he grows into an AFL body. Yeah. Um, did you see the Elliot Yeo um, uh, strike? No, I didn't. It, it was a legitimate spoiling attempt that happened to cop the bloke right in the face. Right. Um, and he got a week for it. Um, he's a bit unlucky because it was a legitimate attempt to spoil. He wasn't yeah. trying to hit him, but... You still you, you caught him fair in the nose, and he's gone off with a blood nose. Yeah, it's, see, I still think if if the umpire believes that the player's number one objective is the ball, and, and the umpire said it, yeah, everything else should fall by the wayside. So it should be an instant out. You can be he he was reckless with himself yeah. with yeah. that spoil attempt. There was obviously no attempt to no malice, not at all. Um, he might have prepared for a body, but that's contact sport. That's what you do. Yeah. But uh, for something that he has no control of to occur, I just I, I don't think it's right to penalise the player. Here's the way I look at it. I think that and with with head-high contact when you're going for a marking contest, the small man's always a disadvantage, but he has to put in an effort, and he's going to go for that punch. Yeah. And his consequences are giving away free kicks and head-high contact, which is a reportable offence. But for a big man going for, say, a bump or around a ball that's on the ground, which is just the opposite end of the scale... You've got a big man who isn't capable of getting down low enough to to take it to the small man's game, and they'll give away um, head high bumps or head high tackles yeah. over. Which is a free kick. That's it. Yeah, straight up free kick, and that's all they'll get because they're big man. They can see they can't get down. You'd be surprised how many big men can bend over though. I mean, we did see uh, in one of the games coming Walkins, up, uh, we got uh, Goldstein, Goldstein bent over far enough to give Ballantyne a good old whack. Um, we'll talk about that a bit later. I can say uh, that's worth it though. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's just good etiquette to reach around in the showers. <laughs> Um, on to the GWS and Adelaide game, which we highlighted as going to be one of the games of the round. Yep. Uh, turned out to be a, a, a decent game. I'll, I'll say it went the way you thought it would, only except that GWS absolutely bolters out of the blocks. Yep. 
kicked the first five or six, um, and then Adelaide had to fight their way back, and GWS just steadied. Um, you have to say at six and two, they're going to play finals. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be very hard for them not to. And have, have they? A lot of their they only got they six both, wins for the whole year last they, year. Have they lost at home this season? Has anyone, has anyone beat them up there? Um, six and two. Who's the trying to lost? Well, Sydney. I don't I'm know. pretty I, sure they won one in Melbourne as well. Um, well, t- one of their losses was Sydney. I can't think of who the other one was. Was it Bulldogs? Or did they beat the Bulldogs? Yeah, I got a feeling they won away from um, Sydney, but they're not showing that um, sort of inability to play away from home like a lot of the interstate ones do. No, they, they look comfortable. Yeah, um, they look like they're, they're not an, an expansion team yeah. as much anymore. Um, and it seems like maybe that lack of experience might benefit them to a bit where. They're not as scared of uh, the high-end teams as they should be. Yep, um, absolutely. And they've got no no reason to be scared of them either. Yeah. West Coast, they lost to West Coast over at West Coast. Ah, they got, that's what they That's right, yep. I just remembered. So yep. Sydney and Sydney, which you can say, okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, otherwise they've defended their, their home turf pretty well. Yep. Um, and you've got to say the, the addition of Ryan Griffin, another experienced player with excellent ball skills, has really helped. Yeah. Um, but the leaders for them, uh, yep. you know, the guys like Trelaw and Shiel and, and Devin Smith. Yep. Devin Smith, you know, killed Hawthorne. Yeah. Um, and Shiel's turning into a bloody quality player. They too. Got, they, said, and they've got three other Shiel's there. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you. They're breeding a team. I keep yeah. saying, if, if anybody's going to beat Fife to the Brownlow, it's Dylan Shiel. Yeah. He might be playing as well as Fife, but he'd probably be close to him on votes. Yeah. And like you're talking about with Griffin and that, is that they don't need experienced players to show them how to do stuff. They need experienced players who can manage their talent on field. Talent That's what they need. To do the thinking for them. Yeah. Which is why, you know, um, Mumford is killing it for him. Yeah. And Heath Shaw yeah. down back is just an absolute general. Yeah. They don't need to overload their team with ta- with um, experienced talent. They've got that talent there. They just need those people that just pull the, pull the strings a little bit, tweak it, and yeah. make sure it all runs like it should. And Heath Shaw, he's reinvented himself because yep. he was a spud for a while there. Yep. Uh and now he's uh, that little bit of responsibility looking after a few other players. I yeah. think he's really the glue that will hold that back line Absolutely. together. Like uh, I said, doing the thinking for him. Yeah. And I do think that uh, having a bloke like him around who he will take the physical pressure off a lot of the other blokes yeah. there. Like if one of the young backmen's getting a bit of a touch-up, yeah. he's more than happy to jump in and say, hang on, back off. Yeah, but I think his role down there will be a, a thankless role but an imperative one for GWS. Now, I think they'll play finals for sure and I think he's sure will be a, a big reason why they've had that sort of um, baseline to fall back on where their worst isn't as worse as, as what it could be without these key people in those positions yep. to, to really yep. hold the reins. I think they're getting the best out of him. Um, Ken McCarthy uh, got the Norwich Rising Star nod this week, um, which I think was going to happen sooner yeah, or later. We were waiting, yeah. weren't we? Yeah. Um, it, uh, but, uh, yeah, lazy four goals. It's not a bad effort at all. Because he got ripped but, off a week or two, didn't he? Yeah, well, one or two. And, I, you know, there's somebody else who had a great game this week who I thought would have got the nod. But um, the great Cam McCarthy, they're calling him on SEN already. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I heard an interview with him on SEN too, and he's just... The, Exactly what you think he is. Just oh yeah, no, nah, yeah, yep. pretty good. You know, still got the cliches down pat, which is great to see. <laughs> but on the other um, side of things, um, again, Eddie Betts doesn't know how to kick easy goals. Yep. Um, so he, he's slotted in for another three, and from the boundary line as always. Which yeah. Is what he does. Um, and uh, Taylor Walker um, kicked one of the best solo effort goals I've ever seen. Yep. Um, with the the second and third efforts to finally win the ball over. Uh, he's kicked it on to someone I can't remember, and then immediately followed. Uh, it might have been Eddie. I uh, know Cameron. It was 
yeah. And then, you know, he's on the 50 meter arc and casually strolled over and I reckon I can keep this distance and I don't think you can. <laughs> Give it to me, son. The old, yeah, I didn't see you free there over in front of goals. <laughs> Taking this shot. So uh, hand pass it back to me, mate, and I'll take care of it from here. Um, it's an awesome, awesome goal. Um, a captain's I, goal, you might even say. You might even say that. Um, and he's doing, uh, God, I've gone blank. He's doing Kevin Bartlett proud too, if you look at his stats. Just really? <laughs> no handball? 17 kicks, one handball. Yeah, I'm sure that handball was a, a fumble. I think that handball was um, back to the umpire after the quarter gone. <laughs> that was about it. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it was there was nothing um, outrageous about the win. There was nothing um, you know uh, abnormal. It was just a good football side um, doing what they should be doing. But you'd have to say that Adelaide are sort of a gatekeeper team. Like If you can beat Adelaide, you deserve to play finals. Yeah, yeah that's fair. They're not yeah. good enough to say Adelaide is definitely playing finals, but yeah. they're... They're definitely a mid-mark team. They were ninth or tenth last year, so it's one of those teams that to make finals you've got to get over a team yeah. like Adelaide. I think, I think that's very fair. I think they'll be the team where you'll slot them in there, but if you're the team that would uh, ninth down the fourteenth, you have to beat Adelaide to get there. Yeah, and absolutely. That's the team you have to beat to deserve to make finals. They're the Michael Bisping of uh, <laughs> of this um, uh, weight division. Who's oh, played Essendon? Yeah, Just, I'm going to say what you're saying. Everyone's taking drugs against them or something. <laughs> Um, let's move on to Collingwood and the Suns. Um, yeah, they did enough. I mean, what else can you say? Um, the, the Suns showed up you know, for a little bit for the first half, but then it was just Collingwood too big, too strong. Suns running out of pace, running out of players. And the thing with this game was that Collingwood used space so well and the width very well. And that's usually what Gold Coast have been really good at. And usually when you're good at something, you're excellent at defending against it. So yeah. I was really surprised that they got exploited like that against Collingwood, but more power to Collingwood. It did just seem like uh, Gold Coast have got three or four game plans and can't pick which one they want to play. Yeah, I think that... that well, we have um, the other week, they only had 24 or 25 fit players. Um, so, I mean, they've got a couple back, but yep. they're still they're, they're running on fumes at the minute and uh, running out of ideas. But, yep. I mean, they were there for a half and yep. then just couldn't, couldn't keep up. And uh, I think with the genuine talent that they do have in there, it's going to be hard to maybe hold on to them because we, when you've got a young culture like that, most of the young players are really serious about it. They go, you know what, fuck this. I can go to Melbourne and get a club that's serious. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Especially if uh, Ablett doesn't play on as long as they're hoping he does. Because if you're a midfielder and you get to apprenticeship to Gary Ablett, you know, junior, you're going to have a, a big reason to stick around. Yeah. Whether the team's hope. going well or not. But uh, if all of a sudden he's spending all this time on the sidelines, you're, you're not getting the game time with him, you're not getting the apprenticeship, you're going to look to go elsewhere. It, on that, um, yeah, I, we haven't really heard much about Ablett in his uh, recovery and that kind of stuff. I haven't heard, yeah. a, you know, there's been no Ablett watch or anything like that. He's just been drowned out by the rest of the shit that's been going on there. Yeah, yeah and the off-field stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that being up there, up north, has really helped them because if he was down here, you feel like you'd have weekly updates. Oh, yeah, it would be constant. I mean, we get just about monthly updates on Swan's weight. Yeah, here, so. <laughs> and how many apples he's pulled yeah. his stickers off. Um, Pendlebury playing his lazy uh, 200th game. Um, just trottling along and doing what he does. They showed some footage of his first game yep. on uh, the weekend, and, and I think he said he kicked his first goal on Brad or Chris Scott. I can't remember yep. which one. Um, and as he's lo- running in for it, um, they're saying, uh, you know, this youngster, Pendlebury, he's got a basketball background. So it's good to see things have changed yeah. in 200 games. <laughs> yeah. Still fucking mentioning Still mentioning it. it, yeah. He's still banging on about it. 
I think they've run out of like any sort of incriminating or any sort of outside information about Penelbury. He seems to do everything on the field, and you don't hear fuck all about him off the field. Well, actually, they um, in the pregame thing they were saying, like Dane Swan was saying, he doesn't do anything. Yeah, like, he just goes home once he finishes training, does all his training, you know, and trains like you'd expect a professional to. Goes home, sits on his nest egg, and he's just very happy to, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the misses there and NBA playoffs on. So that, that's all he does. He watches basketball because yeah. he has a basketball background. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, Basketball background. Yeah, it's a basketball Shit. background, oh. yeah. Well, he must love Garabin then, because Ablett loves NBA Finals. You ever see him <laughs> on Twitter? It's always just double-heading NBA Finals games. Oh, he's not playing footy. Yeah, that's true. Fuck watching Gold Coast games. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything more we can go. Um, Elliot took a nice couple of grabs. Uh, still side-bottom with his first game back with 30-odd touches. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's good, but you want to see them tested against a, a better side. Yeah. And that'll happen this week. I think they got North this week. Okay, on to... One of the best games of the season so far. Yeah. Um, the Hawthorne Sydney. Um, if, if not the best game, definitely the best first quarter in regards to intensity, intensity and yeah. um, excitement. Like I was saying before, I was actually watching. You would have seen um, our F one coverage, and I was watching the qualifying session, not the qualifying, the practice session for Formula One. And during ad break, I changed over because Hawthorne and Sydney were just starting, and I had no reason to switch back. Yeah. Like the intensity, the excitement, it was all there. Well, it, it had to start like that after the grand final last year, where yep. Sydney just got bullied out, out of it. Um, so Sydney were out there to make a statement and Hawthorne were like um, out there to remind them remember what yep. happened last time <laughs> exactly um, so I think the umpires had an awesome did an awesome job yeah um, they gave away um, some 50s early that you might have thought was a bit dodgy but it was more about control of yeah. the game yeah so that's setting the precedence yep. for the rest of the game which you know I can understand and it yeah. worked and they did an awesome job on the night yeah um, I've never seen so many holding the ball decisions though that's how hot it was it was yeah. great yeah yeah um, but let's look at nine goals, 15, you know, and I think not goals five or not goals six in the first quarter. Uh, it was not four first quarter. Something uh, like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's the game. Yep. The set shots for Hawthorne's been shit house all year. And a lot of them are very gettable. I remember uh, Gunston, Bruce and uh, Roughhead all missed very gettable shots in the yep. first half. It's, yeah, especially the Roughhead one because that was after it was a free kick and a 50 yep. and then got overturned. Yeah. It's like yep. that could just bury you. Exactly. That's like the momentum shifters. That you need to, to, especially when you're playing. Hang on, was that one in Sydney? No, it was at no. the MCG. I was MCG, there. that's right. You're there. Um, Adam Goods went back the clock a bit too. He had a good game, uh, the bastard. Yeah. Um, he, he was getting loose um, a, a lot and uh, took some nice uh, contested marks, actually. Yeah, for my money, though, uh, McVeigh was the real difference. When the game was on the line, he's the one that, uh, as you'd expect, you know, a bloke with his reputation, just demanded the ball, uh, took the calculated risks like a, a long bomb from I think 60 out uh, tumbled through the empty goal square uh, beautiful it was too it was absolutely deliberate yeah but uh, you know that's exactly what uh, a bloke like him tries to do and that's what he gets yeah he, uh, Sydney kicked the last three goals of the game to win by four points and uh, he kicked the first two and, and set up the last one when he passed it on to um, Parker to yep. stroll in I'll be honest I actually switched off when Hawthorne were up by I think it was two goals with two five goals. minutes to go or something like that I switched back to the Formula 1 wrap up and then was surprised as hell when they were <laughs> finished they came back as Spons 1 what? So, oh, it, it had uh, had everything a heartbreaker finish uh, with Rioli he, he got the a couple of goals a great yeah. mark and that last little handball get near the edge of the goal square it was the, the quick give yeah had he collected it it would have been you know game over but uh, you know in in this instance he just happened to have a little fumble which uh, isn't a, a slight against him he had a yep. pretty good game um, he had a great game he had, he had some 
like uh, the commentary was saying, he, he might only get 10, 15 touches a game, but they all matter. Yeah. See, I thought this game was like a one-day cricket match where it started off with all lots of action and you could just sort of assume how the match was going to be set up. And then there was lots of the lull or almost like adrenaline dump. The middle overs. Yeah, the middle overs. And then it all came back to life at the end and you understand all the setup was about. Yeah. It is funny the way Hawthorne have done that um, three or four times this year. Let's let a team yeah. get out to a big lead and then just grind, grind, grind. But I think there's something about that strategy. And when when we've talked I about previous... strategy. But not so much like that's just strategy it's to grind it out, but... Yeah. Your intensity throughout a match. It can't be 100% the whole way. And when we're talking about where they'll have different game plans per quarter because they assume that they're going to pick phase up what a, you're doing. Phase B, phase yeah. C. And yeah. it must be that highly analysed a game at the moment where I'm guessing maybe 45 or 46 coaches analysing what the other coach is doing for like that quarter and then coming up with the counter strategy to it. Yep. And so you've got to always be one step ahead of the curve. Well, maybe that's what uh, Carlton can look at doing then, just getting um, Dennis Pagan back. And the coaching is just kick it to the big bloke. And then that'll save them 45 other blokes' jobs. Yeah, the problem is the big bloke for them is Kasbolt. Yeah, that could could take a a good mark, but Jesus, Dickens still shocking. Um, And I hear that um, Pagan's in real estate nowadays, so I think he might be comfortable. He might just stay stay where he is. Real estate, is he? Yeah, he's a real estate agent. Who would have thought Pagan's paddock would be (laughs) fucking real estate? I bet you he's never heard that. (laughs) I bet you he's turned over fucking those big, huge development properties out in Knox and... Send him off. Yeah, you get your first home, a three bedroom for seven hundred thousand. Like it's not even fucking built. Yeah, the problem is though, he puts one unit there and says, "Everyone, fuck off." No, <laughs> fucking unit. Fucking Give him space. <laughs> I think he's actually working for his son. It, it could be. He might be a licensing thing. That's um, probably just for tax reasons, more than likely. Just uh, on this one, Stu. Like we said, um, Goods had a great game. Um, Sam Reed is um, one of the players that we thought might get muscled out with the um, the. Bondi billionaires going down there. Instead, they've moved him to a wing, and Jeezy's looked good. Yeah, and bulked up a bit too. So. A, a little bit, but still moves well. Took a couple of nice grabs. Yeah. Um, Lewis Jetta, uh, something I noticed about him, he's starting to get a little bit of speed back, but he's not um, the fastest player in the AFL anymore. Yeah. But Jeezy's got a kick on him. Yeah, a, he does actually. A couple of times there, yeah. he's 65 out, and he's off two steps. He's put it in the goal. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's off short steps as well, which I'm guessing it must just be that just that. Short twitch muscle fiber. It's just got some bang. great timing. Yeah. Um, the other thing about the game was this was the third game in a 200 plus game career that um, Lance Franklin did fail to trouble the scorers. No goals, really? no points. No. And the other two times cost were, me super coach too. <laughs> the other two times was in his uh, first season, his first game, in about his fifth or sixth game. So um, you, I heard um, one Hawthorne supporter sitting behind me. Um, there was one who was a one-on-one where Chip Frawley's um, beaten him and caught the ball up and someone's gone yelled out Chip you're a hawk now and I was like okay you've been accepted mate <laughs> I think he's only played uh, this is his fourth game for us one, he, uh, one game he's played in two thumpings and five minutes of another game but for so, a lot of that I actually saw um, Frawley was playing off him like uh, Franklin had a run all the way up the ground yep to get the ball and Frawley just sat back at uh, uh, his centre half back and just said, well, if you get it, you're going to kick it to me anyway. I yep. just let him go. And he, he did well. He didn't try and chase stats. He, he played the good team game. Um, I, th- I don't think Franklin had a disposal in the forward 50 at all, all day. And there was only once he got goal side of Frawley, and that was when McVeigh kicked the, the dribble through goal. And it's crazy. This is all without Hodge, isn't it? Yeah, he's back he's next usually week. that general back across half-back line. He'll sit back there and 
I mean, if ball gets past him, then you've always got um, Gibson and uh, yeah. plenty of talent behind him to back him up. And well, you you do wonder what would happen if he had have been uh, taking the field, but you know you can only play the team that's out there. I yep, guess. you got to serve your time. Um, and on that, Sam Mitchell and McVeigh were both very lucky to get away without any weeks for their hits on uh, Mitchell and Langford, um, respectively. But um, yeah, it was a it was a great game, and um, the Swans got their got their own back. Actually. Uh, show and makers who's probably every team's got that one of their own players that they don't love so much the whipping boy um, he actually had a pretty good game I thought he did, he did well he got to play up forward um, all night now that uh, Frawley was back I, I don't I think he he only went um, to the back line for five minutes when Lake was in trouble with his knee and uh, Lake might miss out this week and that sneaky mark that Lake got oh that, it was magic wasn't it I, I wasn't sure what happened it was one on one he just sort of hip pocket marked it and just it didn't make sense for that moment. It, it, I doubt he could see the ball when he caught it because Tibbet was right in front of him. Yeah. Um, so it might have been just to put the hand out where you think the ball's going to be and hopefully you grasp it. I'll tell you what, Tippett had some spud decisions too. Uh, I'll tell you what, he, um, if uh, he is Daryl Cullinan to um, Rioli's <laughs> Shane Warne because he got caught holding the ball, I think once or twice again by Rioli. Um, he just, it must be playing on his mind now. I did say that and Rioli... He just attaches himself when he tackles. Like he jumps in the air, wraps an arm and or whatever limb just is nearby, grab something. and he he'll grab and hold on for dear life. And his body weight was dragged the other bloke down. But uh, he's one of the probably the best tacklers in the whole league. I'd, I'd love to see the stats for winning holding the ball decisions because I can't recall a game where he hasn't won one. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know they count tackles, but. Uh, a lot of them, if you stand like close, conversions to into um, holding the ball decisions. Yeah, 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 exactly. It. I'd love to see that. I think that's actually a pretty fair stat to to throw out there because tackling is all well and good, but how much you retard the person once they once you've actually done the tackling yeah. is the whole point of tackling. Then. Exactly. So, I did see Bergon get a nice um, oh throw tackle. In fairness, the ball had gone somewhere else about ten seconds earlier, but uh, he started the tackle. And Dan Maitre finished it. He, he had the ball uh, when he started the tackle. I'll say yeah. that much. I tell and you, it was about four or five steps. It, I think they had a dosy do, and then he slammed him. But it, it was a damn good tackle. It was right in front of us, um, <laughs> to where I was sitting, and you could see that Burgoyne had him lined up from you know five or six paces away. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, you actually listened to our Malcolm Bangs podcast. Yeah, bit inspired. <laughs> this is how you do it. This is how you throw him down, son. I'll say it was. Um, the other game on uh, on Friday night, uh, sorry Saturday night, was Frio versus North. Um, let's be honest, it wasn't much to say about this one. Frio just kept the train rolling. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Put in a full, well, <laughs> I was at the Hawthorne Sydney game, but I watched some of the highlights afterwards. Um, Frio put forth a a full four quarter effort, which I, I don't really think they've they've done this year. Nat Fife was being Nat Fife in his one hundredth game. Um, the other thing, the Subin tackle. Did you see that one? I didn't. The, it was pretty much like um, it was like. Almost like Quasimodo trying to play AFL, where he sort of had... <laughs> Just hanging off? His, it was like, if you drew a line from his knee straight up, that's where his chin was, and his ass was about a metre behind that, and ran straight into the player attempting to tackle, and then tried to claim a, a high hit. <laughs> and I'm not joking, when you see this, it'll make complete sense. But I'm like, everything, especially if you listen to the Malcolm Bangs um, podcast... This is everything you should not do in a tackle. <laughs> like, it is to a T. Don't do anything he did in that tackle. As long as he enjoyed the ride. Well, it didn't look like he enjoyed it at all. Like, he just about almost had a compound fracture in his neck between some discs or some shit. 
There were a few that didn't call over the weekend for that sort of thing, though, which um, it's one of those things where they've allowed players to get the free kick uh, when they put themselves in danger in the past, and so players have adapted to that. They've taken that in their style, and now they're not getting the kicks. It's going to be probably the rest of the year of not calling that before players start to modify their behaviour. And you may very well see a very bad injury while they're adjusting. Um, so yeah, we hope that doesn't happen. But um, you know, if you're going to line your spine up with a bloke who's coming fair at you, it's not a great decision to make. Uh, Drew Petrie kept goalless, and I think that ends his streak. His streak was seventy or, or something game. It might not have been that many, but it was thirty or forty games. He had the longest um, streak of running streak, running streak of goals in in, in each game. Yep. Um, so that happened. But um, on the positive side for the North, uh, when was the last time Aaron Sanderlands was beaten in hitouts? Well, in it fairness, was... I think um, Sandlins was swapping with um, uh, what's his bloody face? Clark. No, there are the ruck Walters. <laughs> uh, swapping with Walters, um, the small forward. No, not Walters. Fucking, I've forgotten. There are the ruckman. Fucking, Clark? I'll tell you what. It was Zach Clark because it's the one I said right at the start. The one who looks like oh, there is. the one who looks like Doctor J. The one with the hitouts. <laughs> <laughs> and Monday, how the fuck does Fife have hitouts? Fuck me, third, third man, man up, up. Yeah. and he uh, and he's got a leap yeah, on it's, him. It's goal square hitouts. Yeah. Uh, he's got a great leap on him. So yeah. fucking hard for everyone to keep up. But yeah, thirty-one hitouts for Goldstein and thirty to Sandlands. I, I can't remember the last time somebody beat Sandlands when he's paid a, a full four quarters. But in fairness, that Goldstein's made a. a conscious effort to be more physical this year because I remember seeing a few games against Frio where Sandlin's just manhandled him uh, and Goldstein's not the most aggressive bloke uh, if you ever see him play he never looks like he's going to take someone's head off until he did take Ballantyne's head off but um, he was uh, smart enough to do it where the cameras didn't quite catch so he might have got away with that one which right. is pretty handy I think a few people have um, already started a Kickstarter to get him a, <laughs> get him some uh, some rewards for yeah, that so. well they were they were talking about he might have a, a match or two but in the end it was only a thousand dollar fine um, fine. There's a lot of fines, yeah. and, and they went yeah. to a bar tab for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, I, I don't think people were too worried about that. Um, but uh, in in all honesty, having Goldstein have a, a bit of a rest at some stage is going to be necessary. You can't play just about every damn minute, every damn game, and take every damn hit out all season. But uh, and, and uh, with Curry having a good game in the bees, he could get a bob up before you know it. Oh, did he? Okay, that's good. Yeah, unfortunately, so did Magic Door. Which means they might go for him first because he's been there before. But I, um, I wonder if they might have just put a line through Magic for this season as well and said, you know what, mate, you might have other things to worry about. Yeah, yeah. We'll just wait and see and play around life. Yeah, that might be the way to do it. But um, look, uh, I think Curry got five for Werribee over the weekend. So five goals, five goals. I was going to say if he got yeah. five hitouts, that's pretty shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he kicked five <laughs> goals and um, apparently, you know. Rucking around the ground with Door as well, and he's uh, he's looking in that Ben Brown kind of mould. Um, yeah. I've been a fan of Curry's for a while. It's just unfortunate that you've got one of the top ruckmen who's uh, happy to do it on his own, um, and then Ben Brown coming through as well. Lindsay Thomas, I mean, a very quiet night. I mean, and the team's got thumped, but when you've only got two kicks, you've got to you got to put a bigger show for yourself, don't you? If yeah. you want, if you want to be a star of that team. Yeah, it'll say a lot with what you do in losing scores. Yeah, I yeah. think, and you're not pulling your weight in that sort of effort. Well, Thomas tends to succeed most when the when the tall forwards are bringing it to ground, and the bollocks wasn't in the forward fifty enough. Yeah, um, 
one of the blokes who struggled a bit was Lockie Hansen. Um, his intercept marking along the half-back line has been fantastic in past season, uh, season or two. And since he's come back, he's been able to do it as well. But last night, the delivery was just too good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Saturday night. It, it's very hard to intercept Mark Frio because they just deliver it so so well. Lace out. They're so well drilled. Um, but I think they're just well tailored to their skills. I think Ross Lyons turned out to be a bit of a genius with being able to adapt his game plan to the skills that he has in front of him. About time. In yeah. regular season footy, yeah. It'll be interesting mm. to see how they go in the finals again. Um, when the pressure and the time and everything's all increased. Yep. Yeah. And look, just everything's going perfect for him at the minute. Yeah. Um, they're winning the games they should. An MC, MCG crowd of, let's say, probably a generous 70,000 that aren't on your side just changes things, you know. Well, I don't think they'll see that this this year in the regular season. I think they've got one or two games at the MCG. Yep. One was against Melbourne. And that was last week or the week before or something like that. To be fair, when you look at the finals and who's fighting for the top four spots, it's it's, it's all interstate. And, and there's a good chance that if they play at the MCG in September or October for the grand final, it won't be against a Melbourne team. No, absolutely. But um, you know the way they're going, they're going to finish top um, without a doubt, which yeah. means they're not going to see the MCG until the final game. Yep. Um, in which case, it's going to be a 50 50. And crowd. I mean, there are a lot of people whose Frio is their second favourite team. Yeah, <laughs> so you, if you want to see him get off the duck. If your team is if your team is in the final, you're going for Frio. Yep. And the way it's looking at the moment, they could even be playing uh, West, West Coast. Coast. Yeah, imagine that. Are we going for Frio? If they're playing Sydney, I'm going for Frio. They're playing, actually, the only team that's a foreign or well, interstate foreign. team. <laughs> you know, those, those um, North Americans up at yeah. fucking Queensland and shit would be. Yeah, I don't think there's much danger of that happening. Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. Although, may as well call this a Benjamin Button round because um, Harvey, Fletcher, Goods all wound back the clock. Absolutely, yeah, very much so. Um, they're all the good games. Um, which we'll move on to Fletch then in game number 399. Um, Essendon um, were worried by Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane were really uh, taking it up to them. This was a physical game, um, which was good to see. Um, but at the end of the day, too much class. Yeah. Um, there was uh, one of the goals of the, of the round where there looked like about 20 Essendon players were sitting in the forward 50. Hey, to... good luck picking goal of the fucking year this year. Yeah. No. This one was, you know, at the end of the day, there was Cooney handing over to Carlisle, both staring at each other going, oh, because yeah. I have to fucking kick it then, don't I? There's no one left to pass to. Um, and Danaher um, had the best game of his short career, um, kicking a lazy six and took some nice big grabs. Um, got away with one too. He's got a bit of um, Ben Brown about him, I reckon. Danaher down Essen, same Benny, sort of um, mould. I tell you what, though, if uh, oh, sorry, is it Ben Brown from North from, Melbourne, from North, yeah. North. I'll tell you what, he could do with a bit of Ben Brown's bulk. Well, the thing, uh, Danaher's got a like his family's been put back in the spotlight again with um, Neil's uh, coming out, getting the uh, charity working for motor neuron disease, and that's got to be something that motivates him as well. You'd hope. Um, just because it, you see Neil Danaher talk and you can yeah, tell he's he's really fighting it every step of the way and his hands are shaking and um, he's still showing the same amount of determination even though this disease will kill him. So when you have that sort of inspiration around your club and around your family, it just brings things up another level and I, I really hope Danaher uh, Jr. has that as a season that um, gives tribute to that, to that spirit that's been shown. 
I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> where, do you, where do you fucking go from there? Like, yeah, his uncle's nearly fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's dying. Kill myself now. <laughs> um, but, you know, at least his, his nephew's kicking some goals. <laughs> All I can think is, yeah, pouring some fucking ice water on my hands going to fix this problem. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I was watching this game, a little bit of it on, on Sunday, um, and was saying, you know, uh, all small forwards love a goal. Does anybody love a goal more than Joshy Green? Uh, he fucking loves it. A little I'm not sure there's many people love life more than Joshy <laughs> Green, to be honest. The only one that comes to mind is Brent Harvey. Oh, jeez. I'll tell you what, he can even run for his money. He loves he's, a kick, full yeah. stop. <laughs> his kicks, he's a yes. Um, Fletcher's doing the work on his hands and knees, which is good to see. Um, really? getting, getting amongst it uh, down back. Um, it's going to be great to see him run out for number 400 this week. Um, Dane Beams had another good game um, for, for Brisbane, but it was good to show, even though they, they couldn't get it done on the scoreboard, um, they weren't prepared to lay down. Um, and they were you know, giving away a few free kicks and pushes and shoves, but um, it was good to show that they actually care. Yeah, true. absolutely. And, and maybe that's, pride in the Guernsey. Maybe that's something that Carlton can, can do. You know, maybe they can win a fight. You know, show some, oh, it came show out some something. fire. You know, the, and you know, worst case scenario, you get it to suspended for a few weeks, and you don't have to play for Carlton. In I mean, all that's honesty, they had the the girls match as a curtain raiser for the Bulldogs match. Yes, Melbourne versus Bulldogs. Yep, that's right. And it was a more more physical physicality was shown by the women in both teams than in the whole Carlton team. Hey, have you ever saw Willie Armour versus Broken Hill High School? That was that wasn't physicality. That was violence. Made a yeah, quit shit. those games. Um, okay, we'll, we'll move on to the Bulldogs and, uh, and the Demons then. Um, they televised the women's game. There's some, there's some nice ball movement in the game, um, the, the, the women's game, and it was a close finish with a, a great goal from the Demons, uh, the captain, right at the end to seal it. But uh, on to the big one. Um, Melbourne, after getting thumped by 105 points last week, um, took it up to the Bulldogs. They uh, did. And uh, ended up running away with it uh, in the end. With uh, big Hogan's heroes um, leading the way, I think he kicked four. I think he got three. Oh, three goals. Three, yeah. Yeah, you're three. right. He got three, but um, took some nice grabs. And made a gave him a good target up forward. Yeah, I, I think he's got it. I really, I think he's like the he, hype. He's lived up to it, but not as a he's going to be able to do this for our team. It's he's really good. What's he going to do for our team? And he's been playing through like from the middle all the way through to forward and been incredibly well utilised through the whole position. And this sort of put that little cherry on top of his ability to really be a troubleshooter for that team, play yeah. where they need him to, um, kicking three up front and just being a real strong target. And for so young, mm. this guy, like, I really uh, rate him. I think he, he, he's, got a, he's got that thing that Jack doesn't have, more or less. i tell you what, Nathan Jones, though, he really... Sets that side up. Yeah. Hey, look, having Hogan around Jones ain't going to hurt him no, one no, little bit. Absolutely, um, it, it's the captain they should have picked a couple of years ago. Oh, absolutely, and since they've put the the captain's armband on him, I know they don't yep. have an armband. Fuck off. Um, he, he's just gone for leaps and bounds. Um, yep. He's become a better player, which is what you want yeah. from somebody that takes this. Exactly right. Um, and they've also had some good news off field with uh, Petraka, who signed a contract extension, um, which, which is good because you know their their last top pick um, kind of didn't. And the thing is, it doesn't matter who it is, you want people who sign in extensions because so, it looks very good for your club. Absolutely, it does. And actually, Cam Pedersen, who's uh, been yep. off and recycled and on and off, and he's been in the system for so long, and uh, I know North just couldn't find a spot for him. Uh, 
nice little three goal return. Yeah, he had a good game. He had a good game against Hawthorne too, in a mm. side that got thumped. And that's a, a lot of teams that have the short rebuilding phases tend to get the most of those out of those recycled players. And I, he's one of those guys that was screaming out for a chance and couldn't quite get there. So I, I think it's really good that they've been able to find a spot for him and he's been able to earn that spot. Yeah, I actually completely agree with your assessment there. I think um, a lot of those sort of uh, draft choices, the ones that make a difference, are from teams who the player isn't necessarily bad. It's just that they just can't quite fit him in above someone else and justify it in mm. that squad. And they they could probably be more have a better utility at another club in a yep. role that's similar, but be a bit more of a focus. And I think that that's exactly right with with him. Yeah, I mean, Hedia Lumumba is another one. Um, for my money, he hasn't really done that much. No. But um, look, Jeffy Gullett, they've done. He's done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And and this was a good game for Gullett as well. Yeah, um, I think he had that cross between Cyril and Eddie, um, but streaming down the middle and provide options. Yeah. Um, always always worked hard the whole game, which I think is a big indicator that things are going pretty pretty good down there at Melbourne. Yeah. If you can get people like that inspired and yeah, and run them out, make them believe that that they can change the game and win it by their own contribution, then I think that's really good. Now, something else with Melbourne. Um, last week, Jack Watts dropped himself and said, you yeah. know, I'm not feeling after it. I want to go back to the twos to get a bit of um, a bit of touch. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Okay, I don't mind yeah. that. But I'll tell you what. I, I'd say to him, all right, I'll see you in a month. Yeah. But yeah. he comes back the next week, you know, after, you know, let's, you know, I don't want to play against Hawthorne. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put him back in the side. I'd say, right, you show me consistency. I don't yeah. want to see you get form. I want you to see consistent form. Because um, otherwise it does sort of seem like he's just ducking the hard matches. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, if you're on consistent form, you want him to consistently be the best on the field in seconds. If in gonna, seconds, yeah, if absolutely. If he's going to come to once. Um, if you're going to drop yourself, um, good, no yeah. worries. But I, I wouldn't have let him back yeah. in. No, that's it. I, I don't disagree with his decision, but that's that point where you got to get away and you stick your head down and you don't think about anything about football. You're, yep. If it's been the opposite where that's all you've been thinking about, you take that time to get away and, and reassess what you need to do. But no matter what happens, you have to come back a whole lot better than what you left. Otherwise, you're you're out. That's it. Yep. You can't come back. Do you reckon people are going to remember, remember Jack Watt's name in 10 years' time? Yep. In the same way they remember Richard Tambley. Yeah, but I think, in, <laughs> I think in 10 years' time, look, at the end of the day, everything comes out in the wash. And I think whatever's happening with Jack will all come out in the, in the wash. And I think uh, it'll be more of a lesson to the AFL community as opposed to young footballers about what, what you do with young stars and how you treat them. But again, yep. he could be the sort of player that um, getting traded could actually make him. So if he ends up going to, say, shit, yeah. West Coast or something... Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'd probably go Gold Coast, I reckon. Send him up there. Maybe. If they get, made for him. If they get their shit sorted out. Mm. Yeah, but um, I think he'd be one of the people where there's fucking way, way worse people than him up at Gold Coast. Yes, yeah, absolutely. If he can get get away from there and, and apply what he's learnt as a young man and being the best all the way through high school and things like that. I guess oh. it just depends on how much coke he does as well. <laughs> well, he's well, a private school boy. supplier or so. Yeah, yeah. so they got the best. Um, but on that, um, you know, when you're looking after a number one draft pick, because they held him up as the Messiah, threw him to the walls and he got yep. cleaned up. Um, which is why I think they've been much smarter with um, yeah, with, with guys like um, Hogan, who they yeah. kept out of the spotlight. Yeah. Um, Collingwood are doing it with um, Darcy Moore, who hasn't played a game yet this year. I, I think he's yeah. had a couple of injury yeah. stuff. I don't want to see Darcy Moore this year. Yeah. Um, you know, just let yeah. them find their feet, and then then yeah. they're ready to come in. I mean, they they got enough um, bigger players. Yeah. But uh, having said that, Brayshaw has been great. Um, who's the number three pick, I think, um, this year. And he's, he's slotted in. He looks like a, a ready-made player. Um, I think, though, with, um, with Watts. It's been a, a thing for quite a few years that uh, teams attack the captain. 
if you can get the captain to be shitting bricks and keep keep them worried about the contact, you do a lot to shut down the team. Yeah, you chop off the head. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to do that to guys like Jack Watts than it is guys like Nathan Jones. Yeah. Jack Watts was never captain, though. No, he was in the leadership group as a... No, that was Jack Trengrove. No, it was he in Scully, yeah? No, Jack Trengrove. No. Yeah, Scully was the number one pick the following year. Oh, uh, Trengrove is the one who um, he fucked his foot up. He was going to go to Richmond and uh, in the off-season. And Richmond said, uh, let's see what the doctor says. Give him medical and... No. <laughs> so he hasn't, he hasn't come back this year, but yeah. Um, uh, what about uh, the Bulldogs? Um, they had uh, Roughhead and Cordy doing most of the ruck work, who both... You know, Roughhead's more of a key backman. Yeah. And Ace Cordy's more of a um, lamp pole. Yeah. Um, he's a bit useless. But um, Will Minson was the, the other ruckman that they've left in the VFL. Yep. Um, at one stage, it sounded like he decked an umpire. Yep. And then I saw it, and it was more... Like, like even pat on the back. I, I don't know if I'd call it a pat. It didn't have that much force. Yeah. <laughs> he might have motioned towards his back, but it... Geez, the reports were different to the video. Absolutely. And like, that, that just goes to show how fucking useless eyewitness testimony is. Or, it's fucking hopeless. Or journalists that are trying to get a story. Yeah. And that's like what we were talking about with Joffa the other week, that there's so much um, shows on TV these days about footy, and yeah. there's not enough news to fill it. And so all you get is conjecture and bullshit. Yeah. And which is what we're trying to do with this is get it to a point where we can invite people on the show and have them talk and you don't have to listen to us talk about conjecture and bullshit you can have the people who are in there with the mic in front of them talking about what they want to talk about or we'll have different bullshit that we've just made up I'm going to say we might have bullshit but at least we're fully aware that it's bullshit <laughs> yeah and reveling in the fact that it's bullshit <laughs> yeah I mean shit if someone wants to pay us to make up bullshit I'm more than happy I'll sell out straight away you're on your own, though, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm selling. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking my five dollars loss a month, and I'm saying with the fuck I want. <laughs> um, they, uh, the other thing that Melbourne did was put the their clamps on Bontepelli, who's yeah, uh, yeah didn't they having a, a great year? And I um, think that's a really mature move from Melbourne to be able to have that as a goal and pull it off with the people that they did and the way they did it. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to the final game of the round. Again, another uh, returning to the scene of the crime. Um, with uh, Richmond going over to the Portress, yeah. um, which is looking a little bit less like a Portress and more like a Pillow Fortress um, at the minute. They've dropped a couple of games there this year. And um, what, what's going on? Port. I think Port looked tired. Honestly, I, I can't understand it. I thought Port would be flag favourites this year, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of the players did too. Their ball use was terrible. Kane Corns has fucked off to be a fireman. Um, Which is looking like a good move at the minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and look, it just there's certainly no fires at Port Adelaide. There's, it's look, just, I, well, if there is, it's car carcasses they're burning. But yeah, it, it's just not looking like uh, the port you expect to see. And look, the, the last thing I'll say about the cane corns thing: some people said it was a selfish move. Um, fuck off. Uh, it, it, it might be a tiny bit selfish, but it's coming off the back of 15 years of unselfishness. Right. Um, yeah, what it's a, the right what thing a, to do for you. What a selfish prick wants to go and save people's lives when they're burning to death. It, Fucking selfish bastard. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. Well, I don't care if he was going to sail Bahamas with five hookers. He's earned the right to be selfish. Yep. He's done enough for that club. Absolutely so has. His whole family's done enough for football in South Australia. They do what the fuck they want. I don't care. But uh, what about the Tigers then? Um Geez, they've um, they've shown something. Yeah, Look, they've put two wins together. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get too excited to be honest. <laughs> Let's just not beat it up. It's about more than it was. It was it was an okay performance, but Port they looked tired. It looked like their their game plan that they tried to execute 
It hasn't won a premiership last year, but I don't think they physically can carry it out two years in a row. Just that completely running style and trying to ride the bumps. I don't think they can pull it off this year. I think there's a right game plan, but it didn't work that year. You can't have that. You can't sacrifice uh, um, strength for speed over that long period of time because you'll yep. get worn down. Mm-hmm. And I think that they need to have a bit of toughness in there to offset that pure out and out speed that they're trying to run. Well, there's been a few people that have said they've overtrained it um, now. Um, oh, okay. And people are, uh, are figured out port. Um, yep. It's one of the things that now they've become um, the, the hunted, not the hunter. I, mean, yep. I think we have actually said this last week. People are now looking at port yep. uh, and trying to say, right, how do we beat this team? And, and I think strategic free kicks is a really important thing in playing port. S- just to slow them down. Slow them down, yeah. You, you, and the thing is, like we're talking about with uh, Malcolm and other people we've talked about ourselves is... There's got to be some utility in grinding people down every single stoppage. Yep. When you're on top of them, make it hard for them to get you off them and get back up because over the course of two hours, that adds up to a fucking lot, man, and that makes you really, really tired. Yeah, it does. And I think tying Port down like that is a really key factor in stopping their running flowing game over four quarters. Actually, one of the controversies about this game, um, Tyrone Vickery, he yeah, got uh, oh, an injury. Yeah. On the way... Um, off. When he was leaving, uh, there was a lot of jeers and boos from the Port supporters, which would have been funny for Tyrone because normally he's getting booed from the stands by his own uh, yeah. supporters. It but, usually is. But yeah, it was... Uh, well, well they're getting booed because he wanted him back on the field so they <laughs> had a chance to win it. <laughs> More than likely. But it's one of those unwritten football etiquettes that yeah. if a bloke's coming off, even if he's the biggest prick in the world, and you know, sometimes they are, yes. if he's coming off injured... You give him a little clap. Give him a golf clap. You don't even mean to need it. To, to need play, to mean it. To play devil's advocate, and there is no defence, <laughs> but just for the sake of it, they, um, I've heard a few people say that he was taking his time coming off. Um, when it looks like, for all intents and purposes, you've done your knee and your season's finished, you can take your time. You're allowed to take your time. Yeah. I, I don't give a shit. Um, yeah. It's, and the replay, it did, it did look bad. Oh, it looked replay. Like, I think the scans came back good. Yeah, it looked um, like ankle on the replay, to be honest. Yeah, did it? Yeah, I think, I think he's going to be out for about seven or eight weeks. Um, he might be able to play in the next couple, but uh, I think uh, most of the Richmond supporters are going to try and keep him out for that longer, so they're going to shepherd him off for training. <laughs> <laughs> I think he sprained his talent and uh, is just waiting until it fully recovers. Um, now, is this a good stat or a bad stat? Matthew Lobby, the ruckman, the number one ruckman for Port, had... Uh, 10 tackles and he led the tackle count for him. Now does that either say that geez it's good that your big man's doing uh, a lot of the hard work on the ground as well or is it mate where the fuck is everyone else? Uh, Well from memory I think a lot of those he was tackling the third man up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's one way of doing it. I think a lot of it was um, they used to play in a free flowing running game that seems to have one extra man around the ball and uh, go into space in the forward lines and I think if you don't have that Immediate use of the ball, you'll end up chasing, but you're behind too far to actually tackle. Yep. So I find you won't get that tackle until it comes to the subsequent stoppage from that kick around clearances. And that's either going to be a, a goal or a point, or it's going to be a contest in the forward lines, which can go either way. But I think a lot of those tackles usually come around clearances, where you'll tap it down, bit of a scrimmage, you tackle, tackle, hand yep. pass, and then you get a clearance or something like that. I think they just didn't have that initial touch from clearances to be able to facilitate their running game, and that affected their tackles because they weren't in a position to be able to chase them down. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said, but um, yeah, I, I still think you'd like a few more of your, your midfielders to be showing the defensive side of the game. Yeah. Your ruckman mm-hmm. shouldn't be leading your tackles. Yeah, it it's good for him. But eggs in a basket. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Again, Paddy Ryder didn't have a big one. Like he hasn't had a big one yet. Not for Port, no. Um, we said it was one of the problems with Paddy is there's a big gap between his best and his worst. Well, I, I, to be honest, man, I think he had maybe two or three big games for Essendon, and that's about it. Yeah, well, I saw he's a bit overrated. He's uh, tall, and that's it. Um, I, I don't think that the um, his addition to Port. You know, yeah, uh, I think uh, Ken Hinckley said he was the final piece of the puzzle. I think it might have just been a different puzzle. Yeah, um, yep. The pieces are right. yeah, They've got five corner pieces now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's probably not a bad analogy, actually. Um, what about um, the, uh, the the Tigers as well? Um, Rewalt kicked uh, kicked four straight, which and, is a great and the return. Big part is straight. And the thing is, Rewalt ran literally the whole length of the field for that game. He had key possessions at full back which were stopping plays and places where if he wasn't there, then uh, it's, it's all over, you know? I think that saying that Re- uh, Jack Rewalt's work rate um, hasn't been there for his whole career is a little bit unfair. Yeah. Um, it's You can say what you like about his body language, yeah. but uh, I think if he's cracking the shits, it shows that he cares. Yeah. Um, yeah. But his work rate's always been good. It's good to see he's getting some reward yeah. for it. And honestly, some of the delivery to him has been pretty shit. Oh, so I, I can understand him cracking the shits yeah. sometimes. And that's one of the things I want to say with, with Joffa last week was that with with going to the football, it's a complete different experience to watching it on AFL on TV. Oh, oh yeah, yep. Because you, I think going to the football, you see the coaches' impact on the game, whereas on TV you don't, because you don't see the strategy of what's happening off the ball, uh, away from the yeah, which down is, the field. Which I, I would say conservatively, maybe fifty five percent of the game is happening absolutely in that area. Absolutely, is. and you, I think going to a game of football. It gives you that appreciation for a strategy. And, yeah, I think the current coverage on TV, it takes the entire aspect and dimension of coach strategy out of the viewer's sort of scope. Yep. And they've tried to show that with their bloody spider cam and all that sort of shit, but it just doesn't work. It's just keep it simple. You can't show it on the run like that. No. Yeah. Um, and, again, when you're at the ground, you see how much Revolt actually works. He'll do four yep. or five leads. And then you've got Basha Hooley, who's running from half back to half forward, He'll ignore those four or five leads until yeah. he's finished running. All, all I and then he'll kick it. Sorry, all, all I suggest is that on any coverage, you either have the strip, like a panoramic strip across the top or the bottom of the screen that shows um, a downfield of the play or behind the person who's kicking the ball, it shows what they're looking at downfield. And yeah. Just have it as a strip across the bottom or the top so that you can have your close-ups and whatever showing the ball, but when I can quickly glance and see where people are running... You know, you, you know how in the cricket they show the fielder fielding the ball, but in the top right corner they'll show the batsman's yeah, running between yeah, the wickets. Yeah. It might be something worth trialing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I'm not saying that's the answer. Yeah, but, but we've got to try something because well, I, th- I think we're really ripping the viewers off from the whole experience of what an AFL game is. And I didn't realise until I actually moved to Melbourne and started going to games regularly and then trying to compare that to watching on TV. And it completely just gave my passion back for footy. It's actually yeah. going to watch watch games because it's a whole element of the game that you're completely, um, you know, naive to. Oh yeah, and plus I love playing paying nine dollars fifty for an overheated pie. <laughs> they, they've reduced <laughs> the prices of the MCG yeah, this year, so it's, if yours is hot, then you're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's only two two temperatures the pies come at, and that's frozen and fucking hot. Yeah, <laughs> thermonuclear, um, frozen and solid. <laughs> but really, I it's just. I have no idea. I mean, Richmond are in the eight. After eight rounds, Richmond are in the eight. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to stay there, let's be honest. Yeah, like, how big is that bandwagon going to be? Like, If you guys put together three wins in a row against whoever, it doesn't really matter, uh, that bandwagon is going to buckle again. It, there's going to be so many people jumping on. And I love every year Richmond, uh, they make the noise, they jump on. 
and most years they end up a little bit disappointed. Uh, last year, they had that brilliant run in the finals. Fantastic. Two finals in a row. I was going to say, usually if, if I make it to the finals before I get disappointed, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, that, that's a win. It's a good season. It's about a, a, a measured thing. Yeah. Um, look, the other, the other thing about round eight um, that we uh, didn't mention um, was at the end of the Carlton-Geelong game, Cam Guthrie went over to uh, Chris Judd. Now, I think it's, it's well known that Juddy was going to pull the pin last year and he's decided one more year. Yep. So everyone knows this is last year and Cam Guthrie decided to swap Guernseys with him. Yep. Um, I'm assuming Cam Guthrie decided. I don't think Judd went over to Guthrie yeah. and said, mate, it's me last year. Yep. Can I get a you know, number 29 Geelong Guernsey? It did look kind of odd how um, Guthrie was wearing the tracker, but it looked like a bra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you poor bastard. I don't give a fuck. If you're talking about off-field investments, your best <laughs> investments made on the field. That's not a bad one. Um, That's when he asked him to notarise it that was a bit cheeky. But, uh, I mean, is it the wrong decision from Guthrie? Because, I mean, how does he know he's not going to face Carlton in the finals? He might, <laughs> might play against Judd again. You never know. Yeah. I, I Imagine that it'd be damn cheeky, though. Like If he did come up and said, you know, this is the last time we're playing each other, can we swap guarantees? He's like... I might play in finals. <laughs> It'd be a tough gig to sort of not laugh, especially when you're asking a favour of the bloke. I'd just love to see if it's his, It's like a, a long-winded plan to wear it on Mad Monday or something. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe he just wants to get closer to Rebecca Twigley. <laughs> he's going to sneak in with a shaved head while he's out and piss something. Good day, baby, I'm home. <laughs> when they play next season, he puts it on again. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if somebody's um, going to... If, if Juddy comes home with any Guernseys this year or if, if other players are going to take the lead from it. I'd like to see on Monday, Chris Judd's bank account's empty. <laughs> <laughs> All he, right. sh- he shaved his head, walked into the back. Yeah, I'm telling you, Judd, just wearing the Guernsey. Let's, Give me all my fucking money. <laughs> let's uh, let's look forward to um, uh, round nine then. Which uh, Carlton won't be, because they're they've got another Friday night game, which uh, hasn't worked out so well for them so far, and it's getting sitting at the SCG. Um, I've done my tips already, and I've put in 109 points as the margin. Look, uh, I honestly don't think that's far off. If Carlton get through. Without every member microwaving their membership, uh, that'll be a win. I think if Mick's, Mick makes it through this game without being sacked, then it's a win for Mick. So yep. Sydney by 20 goals? Yep. I'd, I can't see it being under th- triple figures. I wouldn't be surprised if Sydney rested a few players. Like, uh, I don't know, tell Hanbury go to have a week off, um, put Franklin in the ruck, fucking do what you want. Uh, I don't think Carlton will even care. I honestly think those players are going to run out, go through the motions, phone it in, and then just go home and fall asleep watching TV or some bullshit. Uh, Hawthorne versus Gold Coast down in Tassie. Yeah, I still think this will be a, another run over, but probably not as bad as Sydney Carlton. That's not a question. <laughs> At least Gold Coast is showing a little bit of spirit. Not a shitload. Um, no, it's just the Coke. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe they're just on massive benders, but they're still showing more than Carlton are. So Hawthorne by a fair margin, but only 9, 10 goals rather than the 20 we're going to see Sydney smash Carlton by. Um, Melbourne Port, and I think this game's up in Darwin. Yeah, TP. Yeah, I think it's Darwin. I think maybe the extra heat will be what Port need. I don't know. Melbourne put a good show up there last year, and I think they were very unlucky not to get the win against Port um, actually twice last year. Um, this could be interesting. Like Port have to show something. Yeah, and it's it's uncomfortable for Port as well. well um, if, if Port don't win this week, you'd have to say uh, money's off them to make finals. Oh, um, if they, I think they've already lost five games. So if they lose six, that's top four's gone. Yeah. Um, so then you've got to try and find another you know, 
um, something to try and get uh, into the top eight. I've got, I've, got to go, I've got to go Port because I think just the time away from civilization will do them well. <laughs> um, but if you know if they're running um, tired, um, and Port then Adelaide you, civilization. <laughs> no, up in Darwin. Yeah, Dar- Darwin. Um, uh, if they're running tired, then up in the it's probably going to be hot. Um, up there, it might yeah. really work against them. Um, and Melbourne, you know, big players, they don't get smaller. Young too. Um, Bulldogs and GWS at Etihad Stadium. This is going to be fantastic. Okay. This is the rivalry we've been waiting for. Mm. Yeah. Um, all the off-season drama. Um, both teams would have penciled in this one. Get ready for it. Yeah. Griffin coming back to face uh, the Bulldogs. And there were whispers that the Bulldogs might be resting Tom Boyd um, for this game, which I reckon is bullshit. Yeah. Um, you want to get your first game against the, the old yeah. club, even if you're only there for two minutes. Yep. Get it out of the way at home. And you're going to have like your fans there. And however, if you win this game, you can guarantee it's going to knock on effect for every game this season that's yeah. a home game. This is a hang your hat on it um, yep. type of game for, for the Bulldogs, especially. Um, one interesting thing is how they're going to, how Bontepelli responds to having a quite two game. pretty crap weeks. Yeah. Um, because he's one of the the guys that you know, I jumped on his bandwagon. I think he's a brilliant player. Yep. Last two weeks he's been very very quiet. Um, he needs to have a big game this week. Yeah. All Western Bulldogs do because GWS, it, even though you know for so many well since their inception they haven't done a lot this year. They're looking damn good. Well, they're and they're to- playing free flowing footy. They're playing like the Western Bulldogs want to play. Like everyone wants to play. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're top four at the minute, and they deserve it. Yep. Um, and they've um, look. I'm going to back them for this one too. Um, I think they've got too much firepower. Oh, I, I think like the the difference is is that I mean yeah, Western Bulldogs have got Bontempelli in that, but I think there's three Bontempellis in GOS, yeah. probably more. Shields, Trelaw. Yeah. Just stick one of them on Bontempelli and he's neutralised, and you let your players run amok. Well, I think probably, Cameron could be the actual difference though. I, I think GOS will flex this game. Yeah. I think well, this will be the one with ASG. This is what we're look, about. Key backmen is what um, the Bulldogs lack. And mm, with um, Cam McCarthy and Jeremy Cameron, um, the Cam and yeah. Cam connection. I think they get beaten around the middle. That's what I think they'll get done. Um, and uh, the focus where everybody's going to be watching is Saturday night, Dreamtime at the G, when Dustin Fletcher runs out for game number 400. Um, look, there's no um, superlatives that can really do justice to it. It's only happened twice before. And it might happen twice this year, but it's still it's it's something that um, Essendon supporters have been looking forward to for two or three years oh. now. I thought you meant like someone had ruined two milestone games two weeks in a row or something well, like that. That's the thing, the old Tigers. <laughs> um, they've had uh, Kane Corns as three hundredth. They had to you know line the way for him to see him off, and they'll yeah, have yeah. to do it again this this week. Kick his ass on the way out. They're like bloody pallbearers the way they're um, lining up for people and paying their respects. Well, if we can't have fun playing this game, then fuck everyone else too. Um, With that though. I've seen um, some people have jumped on social media and stuff and saying, well, Fletcher's not on my team. I don't give a fuck. Mate, if, if making 400 games doesn't make you give a fuck about a bloke, I don't know what will. Look, it, it, you're either so you love footy or you don't. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. But um, look, uh, we're, we're heading to this one. We're sitting up in the nosebleeds just to say yeah. we, 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 we were there. And that, that's what I think. I think you're the, you're the lovely team or you love footy. Yep. <laughs> There's a big difference between the two. Yeah. I think probably a bit spoiled this year because we're going to have two blokes hit 400 games when people haven't hit 400 games since Michael Tuck. Uh, yeah. And he did it in, what, 89 or some uh, crap? He got his 400th? 
When did uh, he retire? He retired. He, retired in, he played in ninety one. But so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played in the ninety one premiership. Right. Um, so I'm guessing that was game number uh, four hundred and twenty six. So let's say ninety. Yeah. Um, so you know, most of the players running around now weren't alive when it happened. Yeah. Uh, except for the blokes who are going to actually hit 400 this season. Who actually, yeah, there's a, almost a chance that those two careers... Um, so, yeah, he, he actually finished two years before Fletcher started. That's how long ago we're, we're, we're talking. Um, it, it is funny, too, that Dreamtime at the G, when we honour the our Indigenous um, culture and Indigenous players, and they're going to be honouring the whitest, rangorous-looking... <laughs> so, I mean, Indigenous round, um, they always have one of the uh, Aboriginal boys go for the coin toss. Yeah. You can't say no to Fletch. I mean, it's a 400. You've got to say, yeah, mate, you know, I understand it's the Indigenous round, but uh, the old uh, the old boy here. What uh, Indigenous players do we have on each team anymore? Oh, he'd probably walk up there with Michael Long. Um, you've still got um, uh, Zacharakis and there's probably um, uh, Courtney Dempsey, um, mm-hmm. a, a few others. I didn't know Zacharakis was Indigenous. Thing. Uh, could be. Um He's got a good team, otherwise. A foreign round. <laughs> <laughs> um, Clean that and one up. Um, you got Shane Edwards. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah true. Um, true. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling to think of uh, any others. But, um, yeah, so there's usually one, one or two <laughs> that they get to the, the, the coin toss. Um, all I'm saying is uh, you can't prove I'm not Aboriginal, so if you need somebody else to come in and, and toss the coin, yeah. I, I'm still available. Yes, yeah, send a link. Uh, uh, send you the link, yep. Um, but so you said Centrelink. I did. <laughs> Centrelink. You can't prove I'm not. <laughs> um, so the actual game, though, who's going to win? I, I think. I think well, I'm I've got Richmond, obviously. Um, could they spoil the party two weeks in a row? Honestly, I reckon they can. They fucking spoiled my party eighteen years in a row. <laughs> um, look, I think Essendon uh, should run it out. Um, if you can't get up for a bloke's four hundredth, then what are you doing? Um, the other game that nobody will be watching that night then, Adelaide versus Frio over in Adelaide. Um, look, if Frio decide to leave a few players at home to rest after they won eight... Probably win by five goals. They probably only win by five. I mean, it could be one that they drop, but I don't expect they will. No, uh, I don't think so. I, I can't see Adelaide uh, having a four-quarter effort that'll trouble Frio. Um, Brisbane and St Kilda up at the Gabba. Speaking of game no one will watch... Well, I mean, it's the, the the game of the battlers. Brisbane has shown a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I mean, they've won two out of the last three. Um, if they're going to win at home, this is one they've got to put in. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, at least both teams are having a crack. Yeah, uh, exactly yeah. right, yeah. They are now. Brisbane Rather won. than Carlton versus Gold Coast, which who will give a shit. Mm-hmm. But um, it, if uh, both teams can get a midfield going, it'll be a good-looking match. Yep. Um if it's a bit wet and uh, you know a bit windy, it, it could, could be a snore fest. It could absolutely be. I think it'll be Brisbane seeing how crap their good team is versus St Kilda seeing how good their, their crap, crap team, team is. is. And yeah, fuck knows how it's going to turn out. I don't think you could put it any better than that. Yeah. Um, Sunday Arvo at the MCG, Collingwood North. Um, both teams looking to um, show something, See, I think. This one, I think, well, it's going to be tough. It's again another one of those uh, a game of two teams that are in that middle pack, yep. trying to fight for the, for the eight. But I it would have been the, both teams at the start of the year. They would have thought they'd be much higher than uh, well, North would have thought they'd be higher than they are now. 
Collingwood are probably um, Collingwood are probably fucking happy with that. Looking pretty good, so sitting fifth. Yeah. Sitting fifth. I think this will be about keeping the ball out of Travis Cloak's hands. <laughs> but or, both teams would think they'd be able to take this easy, or putting it into his hands if he's close enough to goals. D- depends who you're going for. If you're going for North Melbourne, put it in his hands. But if not, I think if if Cloak comes up the field and can be that one that's linking up to the small forwards, I think Collingwood will get it. Well, you have to think they're probably going to play uh, Tarrant on him just because he's. One of their few back when he's big enough. Yeah. Um, and he had a pretty good game against Hawkins, who yeah. I'd say does most of the stuff Cloak does, but maybe it's a little bit better. Yeah, very similar. Very yeah. similar. Um, so, you know, that, that can't be a surprise to Collingwood. Uh, it'll be how they handle the small forwards. It's going to be the tricky part. Yeah. Um, See, I, I wouldn't put um, put him on Cloak, because I think he's too good for Cloak. I think you'll put someone a bit, a bit less good on Cloak and... Feed or, off cloak, you know. Concede it, so yeah, put concede a, it. Put, yeah. some, put him a loose man or something like that. Well, they'll probably drop Lockie Hansen in his loose man in, because in that's just yeah. what they do. But I think Tarrant's too good to uh, have him follow cloak around Jeez, all day. I, I don't know how many games of his you watched then. <laughs> he's, he's made a, some spud uh, decisions. I've never seen cloak, yeah. but he, he does really <laughs> shit when he's open by himself. <laughs> yeah. Three shots for goal. So yeah, and put uh, your best player on him at your own risk. Another great game to finish the round: West Coast Geelong over in the West Coast. Look. This will be a good test. I mean, West Coast is... Both teams, yeah. Yeah, West Coast are looking for big wins. Um, Geelong have strung a couple of together, finally. Um, their tall timber against West Coast tall timber would be a, a great test for McGovern, too, for West Coast to see how he stands up. Um, so I actually I like Geelong for this match. Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm going Geelong just out of pure pride that I, I just can't admit the West Coast are actually that good. <laughs> the West Coast are yeah. a top two side. So, um, that's it. Yeah. Look, if, let's have a look at the ladder here. Um, if they lose, Sydney will win by 100. Um, I don't think they'll catch them on percentage if they nah, both win. But no if way. they lose, they, they could drop all the way out of the top four. Um, it's uh, it's that tied up there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, okay. Um, round nine. Let's see how it goes. In the bag, yeah.